Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, this is a special Sunday. We're kicking off this series called Perhaps the Lord. Some might say, Perhaps the Lord. And I don't know if you remembered back in January, we talked about that. We gave out these bracelets. How many still got your Perhaps the Lord bracelet? All right, there you go. If you did not get your hands on a bracelet, then you can do it today. On your way out, stop by any of our guest services areas. We'd love for you to pick this up and let this be a reminder. Now, here's what's going to happen. I want to give you this heads up before I get into the word, because we're about to embark on a five-week journey. And, you know, God is leading us and bringing us to a place where we can really make an impact, not just in this community, but around the world. On November 17th, all right, write that date down somewhere, November 17th. It's a real important date in the timeline of our church. But that Sunday, we're going to talk about 320. And many of you know, for the last 14 years, we've done this 320 offering. And 320 is taken out of the scripture, Ephesians 3, verse 20, that says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Somebody say, that's my God. He does exceedingly abundantly above. And so across all of our campuses, we're going to be receiving this specific 320 offering. And I want to give you the the three targets that we're believing God for this year. And the first is holiday outreach. Okay. Holiday outreach. Many of you know that when Thanksgiving and Christmas comes, man, it's such a prime time for us as a church to really tangibly show the love of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to say God loves you, but it's another thing to demonstrate that love to those in need. Are you with me? And your giving is going to allow us to give out so many meals over Thanksgiving. Uh, We're going to be able to give groceries to those in need uh, around the holidays. And so I believe that's that's going to be, uh, let's see, November 17th, the 23rd, on that Saturday, November 23rd, we're, we're going to be able to use the resource given in that 320 offering to really express the love of God across this community. I know they're doing that in Denham, and we'll do that right here in our own community. Also, the second thing I want you to see is this, not just here locally, but internationally. Um, In Swaziland, Africa, do you know this, that you own a piece of property in Swaziland, Africa? Did you know that? Turn to your neighbor and say, my, my, my. You own that property in Swaziland. You need to go check out that property that you own sometime. Last year, your giving allowed us to purchase that piece of property. And this year, our continued giving is going to allow us to go phase two to that project and build a worship space in the city of Maban. And I believe that God from that space is going to use that church to transform hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lives. Do you know this Sunday alone, there were almost 700 people that gathered at HPC Swaziland to worship the Lord. Come on, put your hands together for that. We got to help them build a building. They need space. They need a place. And your giving is going to allow us to do that. That's why November 17th is so important. This exceedingly abundantly above is going to bless all of Baton Rouge and all of this region. But I think it's going to also touch the community right there in Africa. And then the third focus I want you to see is this. And all of this stuff is online. You can go to our website. You can download this brochure. Keep this in front of you as a a prayer focus for yourself and for your family. But then the third thing I want you to see is this. We're believing God for a future Healing Place Church campus. 
There's a future campus that we, we believe God wants us to plant in this area. And we've talked about LSU for a long time. I think God wants the footprint of HPC either on or near the campus of LSU. We've also talked about Ascension Parish. And, um, you know, right now we're looking at a piece of property in Ascension Parish and really feel strongly about that opportunity to buy that land and we want to pay for it in cash. And uh, believing that God's going to use the generosity from this house to be able to acquire that property and then build a campus there, much like we did in Denham. And we'll talk about this in the weeks to come. But, you know, right now in Denham Springs, almost a thousand people gather each Sunday. And God has taken your love and transplanted that into Livingston Parish. And I think he'll do the same either at LSU or Ascension. Amen. Can I have a better amen? Are you ready to get in the word today? Come on, touch three people. Say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Say this after me. Say, I'm here. Not because I have to be, but because I want to be. Say, it's not a me thing. It's not a you thing. It's a Jesus thing. Say, I'm not perfect. And turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you know that I know. Come on, say, we're not perfect but we serve the one who is. Say, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Help me not to leave like I came in Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that, put your 10-string instrument together today. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we are kicking off this series entitled, perhaps the Lord. Somebody say, perhaps the Lord. And I think the next five weeks are going to stir your faith. I think God is going to ignite something in your own spirit. Uh, I love what this series is going to mean for us as a spiritual family. I, I love what God is doing across all of our campuses. But, you know, as I begin to study this and really lean into it, I, I saw a theme that God was writing uh, as he's scripting this series. And it's simply this, that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things for him so that he gets maximum glory. Aren't you glad God uses common folk? How many of you, you just, when you see yourself, you just think, hey, I'm, I'm just your average Walmart shopper. That's me. I, I didn't come from some elite family. I've never been part of the who's who of the Christian zoo. Come on, somebody. I was born and raised in the trailer parks of southeast Missouri. I mean, God put me in, and the Bible talks about the ends of the earth. They're in southeast Missouri. I mean, I came from nowhere. I didn't have a whole lot to offer, but I'm so thankful that the gospel is the invitation for ordinary people like us to do extraordinary things for God so that he gets all the credit. How many of you know we don't help God out? Well, God, I've got this talent that you really need. How many know God doesn't need anything? God doesn't need us, but we desperately need him. And perhaps the Lord is our acknowledgement of the power and the purposes 
of God. You know, at the beginning of this year, we kind of kicked off that phrase, but I want to give you where that phrase came from out of 1 Samuel chapter 14, okay? It's a great, great read. I encourage you to read it and study it this week. I'm going to hit the highlights because I don't have a lot of time to drill down on it, but 1 Samuel 14 is an amazing story of the supernatural power of God through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, let me give you some context before we read the first verse. Uh, At this time in Israel's history, we see that they are at war with the Philistines again. Somebody say again. Here we go again. Every time you turn around, it seems like the Israelites were fighting the Philistines. Can I tell you this? There's always going to be a fight. There will always be a battle to fight. How many of you are fighting battles right now? You're always going to face opposition. Can I tell you this? Resistance is a sign that you're going somewhere. Are you with me? If you're facing resistance, that's good news because it's telling me you're going somewhere. Think about this. If you're in a car and you stick your head out the window and your hair's not blowing, you ain't going anywhere. Right? But the minute you put it in gear, you face opposition. And what we see here is the Israelites, once again, are fighting a battle. The Bible says that Israel at this time only had 600 soldiers. That's all they had, 600 fighting men. And guess what? They had two weapons, two swords and 600 men. How many of you are not feeling good about those odds already? Yeah, you only got 600 guys to fight, and of the 600, 598 have no weapons whatsoever. There's only two swords in the entire fighting nation of Israel. Now, their opposition, the Bible says the Philistines, they had 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and the Bible says they had so many soldiers that you couldn't even begin to count, okay? Have you ever been up against odds that were so great that made you feel so small and like you didn't have a chance. Here's what I'm discovering about God. The God that you serve, the God that I serve, he loves to stack the odds against himself. You see, we'll look at those odds and say, 600 men, two swords, 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and so many soldiers, the Bible says, the sands of the sea, it compares it to. I'm thinking, Lord, that's not a battle I wanna fight. But have you discovered there's a difference between common sense and kingdom sense? Common sense says, oh, no, 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 let's take the day off. But the kingdom is not common. Can I have a better amen? The kingdom demanded something of the Israelites. And I want to tell you this, God demands something of you and me because he places something significant inside of us. And he puts us in circumstances that require something of us. And look at what it says here in 1 Samuel 14, verse 1. The Bible says, one day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. Somebody say, come on. Say, let's go. Say, come on. Say, let's go. Turn your neighbor and say, come on. Say, let's go. Oh, the heavens shout to the church, come on, let's go. The kingdom of God taps its toe and tells the church, come on, let's go. Let's get going. 
Let's get busy. Let's move. There's something for us to do. The first thing I want you to see, number one, as a church, we take initiative. We take initiative. I think initiative is an important word for a believer. Initiative doesn't just sit back and watch, but initiative will step up and serve. Jonathan tells his armor bearer, hey, come on, let's go to where the enemy is. We're not waiting for the battle to come to us. We're going to it. I love Jonathan. Basically, he's saying this, hey, let's go pick a fight. Anybody ever been in a good fight before? Oh, come on now. Y'all looking religious up in here. Let's rewind the clock to your BC days, your before Christ days. Remember when you were living according to the ways of the world? How many of you, you got in a couple fist fights before? Oh, yes, you did. And then you get saved and you forget how to fight. Come on now. Listen, my mama would tell us, she'd say, all all of us siblings, she'd say, listen, you are not allowed to pick a fight, but you can defend yourself, but don't you dare start a fight. (laughs) Mama didn't read 1 Samuel 14. (laughs) Mama's theology on conflict needs a little adjustment. You see, God, the spirit of God inside of Jonathan rose up in him and he tells his armor bearer, let's go to where the enemy is. Man, let's go stir up some trouble. Can I tell you this? When you serve the poor in your community, you're picking a fight. When you plant a church and build a sanctuary in Swaziland, Africa, you are picking a fight. When you decide to launch a campus at LSU or down in Ascension Parish, you know what you're doing? You're punching the devil in the face. Come on, somebody. How many like to give the devil a black eye? Oh, I'm I'm calling forth the warrior inside of you. When you said yes to Jesus, now listen, I know we don't like conflict. How many of you, you just want to avoid conflict at all costs? I don't like confrontation. If I have to have a difficult conversation, I get the splotchies. How many get splotchies on your neck? You can feel it just kind of work its way up and you quiver. I don't like confrontation. But when I said yes to Jesus, I was punching the devil in the face. You know what, I'm, I'm afraid that some of us have avoided conflict to the point that we've missed the kingdom. And Jonathan tells his armor bearer, listen, we've got to go stir this thing up. I'm tired of sitting where I am. I've got to go do something. If you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. Jonathan was tired of the Philistine oppression. He was tired of being bullied. He was tired of living under their intimidation. So something rose up inside of him and he said, let's go pick a fight. I pray that God would use this message and this entire series to stir something within your heart that motivates you, that moves you, that urges you and compels you to take initiative. I remember hearing the story of a guy named Larry Walters. And I never met Larry, but after hearing his story, I like him. Larry was a truck driver, but he didn't always drive trucks. As a boy growing up, he wanted to be a fighter pilot. His childhood dream was to join the Air Force and to fly those jets and to go into combat. So he tried to get into the Air Force, but he had poor eyesight, so he was disqualified. And he grew up with this dream that he knew he would never realize. 
sit in his backyard on his lawn chair and he would see those jets as they would crisscross the skies. And finally, something stirred inside of Larry. He got an idea. He went down to the local army surplus store and he got 45 industrial weather balloons. Not the little, you know, holiday birthday balloons. I'm talking four feet in diameter. And he got him a tank of helium. A helium tank and 45 industrial weather balloons. He bought some cables and cords, and he, 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 he aired up those balloons and got them all connected to his lawn chair. He tied off the chair to his bumper. You know where I'm going with this. The bumper of his truck. He walked in his house. He packed him a little sack lunch, made him some sandwiches, brought some cold drinks, grabbed his BB gun, sat in that chair, and he cut the cord. His plan was to float lazily up into the sky. But when he cut the cord, releasing that, those lawn that lawn chair and those balloons, he didn't just float. He launched. <laughs> like a rocket, he went 1,000 feet, 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet. He leveled off at 16,000 feet in the air. And there he is. Can you see, in your mind, do you see Larry in his lawn chair and all those balloons at 16,000 feet in the air? You say, Mike, why'd he bring a BB gun? Well, he was going to shoot the balloons down one at a time. That was his plan to return to earth. How many are liking Larry already? He's got to be from South Louisiana. I don't know. A touch of crazy. Come on, somebody. Hey, we all have our own brand of strange, do we not? And there he is at 16,000 feet. Now he's thinking, how in the world am I going to get down? 14 hours later, he begins to drift into the approach corridor of Los Angeles International Airport. Oh yeah, and here comes planes and they're landing and one of the pilots radios to control tower about passing a man in a lone chair <laughs> with a gun in his lap. Man, they're radioing, they're talking, and man, Larry begins to drift, and man, he sees the Pacific Ocean. Man, the winds begin to blow him, and they're trying to figure out how to rescue him, and finally, as he begins to descend, but literally, the city of Los Angeles had to cut the power grid because they didn't want Larry to get electrocuted on his way down, all right? He finally hits the ground, and he's immediately arrested. And there's all the news media around him. And one reporter asked him, Larry, why did you do it? And you know what he said? A man just can't sit around and do nothing. <laughs> Come on, Larry. You see, a dream will die inside of you if you don't do something about it. Some of you, God has put some passion in you, some fire for your future. But if you're just saved and sitting on it, come on, somebody. Man, God wants you to take initiative. Jonathan turned to his armor bearer and he says, listen, if we always do what we've always done, then we will always get what we've always got. Let's go pick a fight. Let's go to the enemy's outpost and man, let's stir something up. Oh, I love it. I love it. We serve a God who values initiative. Think about the name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus is the name of God in his proactivity. Did you hear that? Aren't you glad God didn't look down from heaven and say, those poor pitiful people, They've made a mess of, their, of themselves, of this world that I gave them. No, no, no. God said, I'm getting involved. 
And so he wrapped himself in flesh and God came from heaven to earth and he walked among us and he lived and he served and he bled and he died. You see, the power of the gospel is in its going. And so as believers, as a spiritual family, we take initiative. Now listen to me, Healing Place. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And if we can, then we must. Can I have a good amen? Look at what it says in verse 2. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Migran. I want you to see this. While Jonathan is taking initiative, look at what his dad is doing. His dad is just chilling under the tree. You know what he's doing? He's probably eating the fruit of the pomegranate tree, enjoying its shade, maybe hanging out with a hammock, just a little hammock time, him and his men, just chilling. I want you to see this, number two, not only do we take initiative, but number two, we embrace discomfort. We embrace discomfort. That means part of our journey is moving out of what's comfortable, and it's stepping into difficult, uncomfortable circumstances. I want you to see how important this is. And as I read this again this week, and I prayed about where we are as a church, I'm so glad we're not a pomegranate church. We don't just think about our own comfort. Man, I just want to be comfortable. I I want to live a life of ease. You know what? God hasn't called us to live in comfort. I've always heard it said that God will comfort the disturbed, but then he disturbs the comfortable. And if you're comfortable, God might disturb you to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Are you catching this today? Come on, are you into this this morning? Recently, I was watching one of those nature shows. I don't know if you see like uh, on Netflix, they do these series like Planet Earth. Have you seen that? It's fantastic. I mean, some of the shots and, you know, you you learn some things about different animals and species and nature and you think, man, God, you did all that. Well, I was watching one about eagles and and I saw this this mother eagle. It's amazing how they get the camera work and these close-up shots and how they narrate what's happening. And this mother eagle, she had a a nest of, of about four or five eggs. And it showed how this mama would go get leaves and grass and some soft plush items and just line the bedding of her nest. She's creating comfort because she knows these baby eaglets are soon to hatch. And when these little eaglets start hatching, they they break through that little shell and it's like, hello world, here I am. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm into it, man, for real. You know, and so mom was just taking care of everything those little babies need. I mean, she's feeding them, she's caring for them, and it's like a whole new world. Man, I'm in it, y'all. I really am. And it shows these little eaglets as they start to grow and develop. And mama does something. I thought this was fascinating. Instinctively, created by God, this mother eagle will remove all the leaves and all the grass from the nest and she replaces it with rocks and sticks and sharp objects. Why? Because she's got to get these baby eagles out of the nest. 
First, she creates comfort as they are, are, are arriving into the world, but then she has to create discomfort, and here's why. Because if those baby eagles don't learn how to fly, they'll never survive. And you know what God does for us? Sometimes he creates difficult circumstances. And this is a good God. He's a loving father, but he'll put rocks and sticks and sharp objects in our lives to force us out of our comfort because he's trying to help us learn how to fly. And part of my job as your pastor is to make you uncomfortable because God wants you to spread your wings. God wants you to soar to a new level. And if you're comfortable in the nest, you'll never move. Come on, are you with me? And God does this. He creates discomfort so we move. What is it that's making you uncomfortable? Who is it that's making you uncomfortable? Could they be part of God's plan to move you out of the nest? You see, Jesus told his disciples, he said in Matthew 16, verse 18, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Come on, somebody say my church. Whose church is it? It's God's church. He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm, That's what you and I get to be a part of, the church of God. But notice the very first time he mentions the word church in Scripture, it's it's within the context of conflict. What does he say? The gates of hell. Gates of hell. Now, here's why I think this is significant. He says gates. When you think about conflict, a gate is not an offensive weapon. It's defensive, right? A gate is about protection. Sometimes we have this idea of darkness as being big and bad and always attacking. But here the scripture says darkness is gates and the church is not on the defensive. The church is on the offensive. God has called the church to move forward. Come on. Not to sit under the pomegranate tree, but to move forward into darkness. The church is supposed to be advancing and overcoming at every moment in history. You know, I was thinking about this after watching the game yesterday. Boy, them LSU Tigers. Man, and I love Baton Rouge. I love the city of Baton Rouge. We got some great football teams. I love our Southern Jags, and I love our LSU Tigers. And man, to see... Look, to see LSU this year compared to last year, that offense is explosive, is it not? I mean, they're throwing the ball down the field. I almost feel like every time we touch the ball, we could score. I mean, come on, defense, where you at? Put the ball in Joe's hands and let him pick you apart, man. Our receiver's running all over the place. I love being a part of a team that's moving the ball down the field. And listen, God wants, there's a difference between playing not to lose and playing to win. Oh, if you got a lead and you're trying to just guard that and you're sitting on the ball and just running the ball and no, no, no. God's saying, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. Move the ball down the field, throw the ball, run the ball, advance the purposes of God because he's given us what we need. Jonathan tells his armor bearer, hey, let's go pick a fight. But unfortunately, Saul is just hanging out being comfortable. You know, you never grow inside of your comfort zone. We don't grow when we're comfortable, but we stretch and we grow when we step outside 
of comfort. Now look at what it says here in verse six. Are you catching this today? Verse six, Jonathan says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, perhaps the Lord. Some might say perhaps the Lord. This is where the phrase comes from. Perhaps the Lord will help us. For nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Oh, what a great verse. What a great verse to describe who God is and the opportunity that we have. Jonathan said, perhaps the Lord. Number three, we take risks. We take risks. As believers, we embrace uncertainty and we step out in faith. Notice Jonathan did not say, for sure the Lord. Notice he didn't say, guaranteed the Lord. He said, perhaps the Lord. Can you move forward with perhaps the Lord? Can you still move forward in faith even when you don't know the outcome? Because if you're waiting for a guarantee, you'll never move. If we wait for a guarantee, we're going to miss the God opportunity. Are you catching this? Come on, turn your neighbor and say, he's preaching to you right now. What is it? that keeps us locked into our circumstances. Maybe we're afraid to fail. Can I talk to you about failure for a second? I wanna debunk some things as it relates to failure. Because I think that the enemy will use a fear of failure to keep us paralyzed and positioned right where we are. And yet the Spirit of God wants to move us, initiative, move us discomfort, move us out of predictability into perhaps the Lord. Now, I want you to see this progression. You may try some things. Everybody say try. You may try some things and you may fail. Somebody say fail. Now, this is an interesting combination here. For fear of failure, some of us never try. Okay, some of us never step out because we don't want to fail. Somewhere along the line, we've embraced an idea of failure that is false. Can I tell you something about failure? Failure is an event and not a person. You with me? You may have failed, but you're not a failure. See, I would rather try and fail than fail because I never tried. Are you with me? Now, I want you to th think about this. Let this get in your spirit, because if we fear failure, we'll never step out and try. Try, and you may fail. So what if you fail? Welcome to the human race. Each and every one of us here have tried something, and we've fallen short. Doesn't the Bible say, for all have sinned and fall short? We've missed the mark. The common denominator that unites all of us is we have tried some things and we've come up short. If you try, you may fail. But guess what? Out of failure, you learn something. You learn. You learn. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you learn. But you never lose as long as you learn. Come on. Are you with me? You try, you may fail. If you fail, then you learn. And when you learn, guess what happens? You grow. You're growing. How many has ever prayed, Lord, just grow me this year? 
Oh, God, stretch me this year. Lord, enlarge my capacity. I just want to do more for you. Well, guess what? You're going to have to try, and you may fail. But then you learn, and then you grow. The price tag for growth is trying and failing. Come on. That's the price tag. It comes at a cost. If you try, you may fail. But then you learn, and you grow, and guess what? You try again. Isn't that how we learn to do everything that we love? Everything that you enjoy doing now, at one time, you did it for the very first time. Are you catching this? This process, I think, serves us well. If we'll get over our fear of failure, then we can step out in faith more. Remember when you first started driving? I remember those days. Yeah. How many of you have kids that have just started driving? Remember how you felt? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Your prayer life goes to a whole nother level, does it not? I remember when mom first gave me the keys. What is it that mama was, her famous last words as you're backing out of the driveway, what's she saying? Careful. Be careful. And you know what? Mama's right. Mama, we love you. Thank you. You care about our safety. But just one time, I would have loved to hear my mama say, drive fast and take chances. (laughs) Cut people off, sweet pea. Use your road rage if you have to. (laughs) How many love to hear mama say that one time? That would be awesome. Listen, I'm afraid that we're being too careful. The church has erred on the side of caution. We don't want to make a mistake. We don't want to upset anybody. We don't want to fail. You know what? The church that is careful will never be unstoppable. God has not called you to be a decent Christian. He's called you to be a dangerous Christian. And if you're going to be a dangerous Christian, you're going to have to take a few risks. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. You got to step out. Why? Perhaps the Lord will help us because he can win a battle. It doesn't matter how many soldiers he has. It doesn't matter whether he has many or whether he has few. Nothing can hinder the Lord. You see, why is, how many of you have ever prayed for a miracle in your life? Okay, let me ask you this question. How many of you believe that God still works miracles? Okay, so if we believe that God has the power and the ability to do the supernatural, and we need miracles in our lives, why is it that we pray for miracles, but then spend our entire lives avoiding the context in which a miracle takes place? You see, you won't see the supernatural if you just remain in what's possible. You have to step into the impossible. You have to step into, this is where we take, if you don't take a risk, you're not going to see the supernatural. Well, why don't we see more miracles in the church? Well, maybe because we're not risking enough. You see, when you, when you say, hey, I want to buy that piece of property in Ascension Parish, and we're going to plant a campus, guess what? That's taking a risk. When you say, you know what, we're going to feed thousands of people throughout the holidays. We're going to give gifts uh, to, 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 to inner city kids and to orphans and foster care programs. We're going to throw parties for, for widows and single moms and those that are incarcerated. We're going to love those that, that people give little time to. You know what? You're taking a risk. And the church that is willing to risk much is the church that will experience much. 
but the church that risks little will see and experience little. Are you with me today? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Look at what his armor bearer says in verse 7. Let me finish this story. The armor bearer says these words. He says, do what you think is best. The armor bearer replied, I am with you completely, whatever you decide. One translation says, the, the, the response of this armor bearer is, I'm with you heart and soul, whatever it takes. Jonathan, I'm with you. You see, Jonathan said, perhaps the Lord. But the armor bearer said, whatever it takes. Come on, somebody say, perhaps the Lord. Say, whatever it takes. Say, perhaps the Lord. Say, whatever it takes. You see, listen, perhaps the Lord is about vision. God's giving us a vision to touch the world. But it takes more than just vision. It takes commitment. It takes men and women who say, whatever it takes, I am with you, heart and soul. Now, you know what's interesting? The armor bearer makes a commitment before he even has the plan. You know what? There's only two of them. They only have one sword between the two of them, and they're about to step into the enemy's camp with thousands upon thousands of soldiers, and they don't even have a plan. And yet this armor bearer says, I'm with you, heart and soul. Come on, common sense, kingdom sense. Some of you need to leave what's common and you need to step into the kingdom. I'm with you, heart and soul, whatever it takes. Here's what Jonathan told him. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna sneak on over to the enemy's camp and then we're we're gonna yell at them and we're gonna say, hey, here we are. I mean, for real, read your Bible. I'm not making this up. This was their plan. And if they see us and they say, y'all get on out of here, we're not messing with you, we'll take that as a sign that we're not supposed to fight. But if they say, hey, y'all come on up in here and we're going to show you a lesson, we will know that that is the Lord that is with us and it'll be on. Like white on rice, like cats on mice, like dots on dice, we are going to fight. Now that's my translation of 1 Samuel 14. They have a terrible plan. They have no resources. And sure enough, when they show themselves, the Philistines say, get on up here. (laughs) Lord, have mercy. And guess what? They moved forward. They took initiative. They embraced discomfort. And they said, this is a risk. Maybe God will, maybe he won't, but we're going forward anyway. And the scripture says that in a matter of moments, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they had killed 20 Philistine soldiers. All they killed was 20. And at that moment, based on their obedience, you know what God did? God sent panic and confusion into the Philistine ranks. Can I tell you this? Confusion does not belong in your house. Confusion belongs to the enemy. And as they begin in their panic and confusion, they begin to fight each other. The Philistines start destroying themselves. And you know what God did in that moment? God sent an earthquake. Now I asked the Lord, God, why? You already sent panic and confusion. The enemy is defeating themselves. Why send an earthquake? And you know what I felt the Lord say? He said, Mike, remember where King Saul is. Where is he? He's asleep under the pomegranate tree. You see, God sent an earthquake to wake up King Saul because he didn't want Saul to miss the supernatural that was taking place. 
Listen to me, church. I don't want you to miss. There is supernatural happening all around us. Throughout the holidays, we're going to see, man, so many lives being touched. We're going to build that building in Swaziland, and thousands of Africans are going to worship the Lord. We're going to launch a campus in Ascension Parish or at LSU. The miracles are happening all around us. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The last point, let me, let, me, let me close. I want to ask the band to come up. The last point is this. We do our part. God does his part. The Bible says in verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth Haven. Who was it that saved Israel that day? What does the verse say? So the Lord saved Israel that day. Who saved Israel? Who saved Israel? Okay, watch this. God does his part when we do ours. I want you to see the power of partnership that takes place. God was the one that did all the heavy lifting. He sent confusion. He sent panic. He delivered the Israelites. He he brought the earthquake. Hey, Saul, don't miss it. 598 of your men are sleeping around the pomegranate tree, but I love you so much. I want to bring you into the miracle. I want to, I want, you got a part to play in this. You see, Saul didn't even realize that Jonathan had slipped out. Saul didn't even know who was missing. Some of you, God is doing some things in this hour and he's saying, wake up, wake up, don't miss it. God did all the heavy lifting, but it took a prince named Jonathan and a no-name armor bearer together to make history. And you know, there is power when we partner with God. Jonathan and his armor bearer only killed 20 men. That feels like a drop in the bucket, doesn't it? Against an army that big and man, the odds, they were outmatched and outmanned. They only killed 20. What is, what's that? It's just a drop in the bucket. But when we do our part, God does his. We may not offer much, but guess what? God doesn't need much. How many of you know God doesn't need a lot to do a lot? Can I have a better amen? That's good news because some days I feel very small. But if I'll go with what I have, God will show up with what he has. But God won't show up with what he has if you and I first don't go with what we've got. The power of partnering and coming together. Some of you, God is speaking to you and he's saying, take the risk. Take a step of faith, initiate, embrace what's uncomfortable, partner with me and watch what I can do through you. I'm telling some of you here today, there's somebody here this morning and you need to hear this, write the book. You need to start writing the book. It's been in your heart to write something. People have come to you and said, oh, you need to write a book. No, 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 that's not me. That's not me. I can't, I can't, I can't. Start writing right now. Write it. Some of you need to start the business. You've had it in your heart. Oh man, there's a lot of risk. Man, I don't know if I can. You need to write the book, start the business, sow the seed. Maybe God's telling you to give something extravagant. Give it, plant it. Listen, when you plant a seed, I want you to consider this. When you and I plant seeds, what happens to that seed? It's got to go underground. And a seed does its best work in a realm that cannot be seen. Are you catching this? 
You don't see what's happening under the dirt. It's buried. It's buried. There's an invisible work that's taking place. The dirt outweighs the seed by a thousand times. But the life in that seed is so powerful that it will eventually push through the dirt and it will bear fruit. Some of you have been planting seeds and you're getting discouraged because you don't see any results. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Don't dig up in doubt what you have planted in faith. You planted that thing trusting God. Don't go dig it up now doubting God. Let the life that's in that seed do what it does. We partner with God and God gets all the glory. One day, you'll stand before God, I'll stand before the Lord, and we'll give an account for our lives, the decisions that we've made, how we, what we've done with Jesus, how well we've stewarded our gifts. One day, I'll stand before God as it relates to this church. And I want to hear God say, well done, good, faithful servant. There are only five words that matter to me. Five words. The opinion of one person summed up in five words. Listen, others will criticize you. But if your God says, well done, good, faithful servant, guess what? Success. When it's all said and done, as it relates to Healing Place Church, I pray the fingerprints of Jesus Christ are the only thing that people see. Amen. You receive that today. Put your hands together if you believe that. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.